The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Walking here. On Sports Hub Triad. Ahead of a big night in the Atlantic Coast Conference, you are on a Wednesday drive. NC State's in action tonight. Wake Forest is on the road at Clemson. But there's no doubt tonight's entree is Duke, Virginia at JPJ in Charlottesville. On one side, I think Virginia needs to win to have any prayer of an at-large bid in a few weeks. As for Duke, this is the time of year, February 23rd. The real contenders in March start to turn that corner and looking the part. And do you know what national contenders don't really do that often? Lose twice in late February to a bubble team in a three-week span. But if the Blue Devils want a different result than they got at Cameron a few weeks back, I think the bulk of the responsibility rests on Paulo Boncaro's shoulders. Now, I'm not that big of a fan of using cliches. Maybe it's because I'm a big fan of Bull Durham and I didn't like, I didn't care much for Crash Davis giving Tim Robbins' character Nick Lelouch all those Duke Lelouch, all those tips in order to sway reporters away from stories. But sometimes cliches exist because they're true, like this one. When you're on the road and facing a good team, your best player needs to be your best player. And that's who Paulo Boncaro is supposed to be. He needs to deliver tonight in a way that he didn't at Cameron a few weeks back. In that game, I was there. Virginia absolutely locked him down. Paulo only scored nine points. That's the only game this year Paulo's been held into single digits. And what stood out, watching in my courtside seat, Virginia was far more physical than any team has been with Duke this year. They pushed them around. Duke didn't feast on the offensive glass the way they did right before that game against North Carolina. They... Didn't get second-chance points. They had to work for everything on the offensive side of the floor. Defensively, they had to defend for 30 seconds. We know the type of pace Virginia likes to play. Not all that quick. They were physical with him. Jaden Gardner, former East Carolina Pirate. He did an excellent job in that game. And by the time we got to the final possession, I think Paulo had only attempted one shot in the second half at this point. Paulo caught it in the corner, right in front of the Duke bench, started his dribble drive to the paint, and it looks like an easy basket for five. It's the type of drive you're just assuming it's going to go up, Duke's going to score, and they're going to win this game. They're leading at that point in the final 30 seconds, but then uncharacteristically, Paolo passed up the shot. It surprised so many people, including who he was trying to dish it off to on the baseline. He wasn't ready for the pass. It's a turnover, and we know how it ended. On the other side of the floor, Reese Beekman hit the three. Virginia got physical with Paolo to the point where it rattled him, and I think it cost Duke the game. Coach K knows his best player needs to deliver for them on the road. Here he was talking about this game by referencing what Virginia did the last time out against Paolo. I, I think it's always a combination of a bunch of things, uh, mainly your opponent. And uh, Gardner has really pretty much had an all-ACC caliber year. He's one of the best players in the league and a veteran, so he knows how to play. And uh, he did a great job on Paolo, but so did their defense. And, um, you know, we we have to play better, and he has to play better. You know, it's uh, – uh, collective responsibility on on uh, in that regard. There's a lot that that uh, Paulo has on the line too individually. For Duke, you're trying to win the ACC regular season for the first time in a dozen years. They're in position to do that. They're a game ahead of Notre Dame. They can win the league, have sole possession of first place by season's end if they win out, obviously. But individually, Paulo he's got goals on the line. ACC Player of the Year, number one pick in the draft. Both those things are obtainable for Paolo, but not 
unless he bucks this trend here that's headed in the wrong direction. I didn't realize just how bad it's been but until I went into the stats, but consider this. Paulo's first six ACC games, first six ACC games he played, he's averaged, he did average, 20.9 points per game. So about 21 points per game. In the last six ACC games he's played, he's averaged 13.9 points per game. That's seven fewer points for the best player on the team, from the guy who's supposed to be right there, top two, top three pick, maybe the number one overall pick, maybe the ACC player of the year. He hasn't looked that of late. I'm not going to go as far to say he's hit a freshman wall or teams have figured him out, but I think Virginia might have identified a bit of the blueprint and getting physical with Paulo. Other than Alondis, he's the only other guy I'll hear an argument for for ACC Player of the Year. But in order to have a shot in that conversation, you need to go on the road, be the best player on the floor, beat Virginia, and beat North Carolina next week, and look every bit the part that he hasn't looked in recent weeks. I look at draft boards. ESPN put up one this morning. Paulo, it used to be, take your pick of who the number one guy's going to be, Chet Holmgren or Paulo Boncaro. And it was a taste difference. Hey, do you want Paulo or do you want Chet? They were seen to be universally number one and number two, and they were interchangeable, 1A, 1B. That's changed. Now Jabari Smith from Auburn in most draft boards is ahead of Paulo. And in some places I see Jaden Ivey from Purdue flying up enough where he's ahead of Apollo as well. It's not Chet Holmgren who's slipping. Gonzaga is the unanimous number one team in America in this week's AP poll. Apollo needs to show up tonight on national TV, ESPN, 7 o'clock tip. And I think he breaks through. The game's also going to be here on WSJS Sports. Another thing that could help him that was lost in that game, A.J. Griffin needs to give Duke something. He had his worst game against the Hoos. Was it just Paolo? AJ had two points against Virginia. As we learned in that North Carolina game, teams might focus primarily on Paolo. When that happens, AJ Griffin often has a mismatch that he needs to take advantage of. The North Carolina game ended when Leaky Black focused on Paolo and was off of AJ, and AJ scored the first dozen points of the second half. Since Paolo's going to be the focus by Jaden Gardner in Virginia tonight, Griffin could be a key tonight too. And I think the Devils are going to break through. I think Paolo will. I like them to win a close game tonight, but it's certainly one I'm excited to watch. Robert Walsh, the producer of this show today. BDOT's going to be in studio in 30 minutes. We'll get a, or at 3.30, we'll get a live report out from Winston's, uh, actually not at Winston-Salem, at Clemson tonight. Wake Forest facing the Tigers. We'll talk about that game in about... Five minutes. The voice of the Deeks will give us that live report. Stan Cotton will be joining today's show. We're less than two weeks away from the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. And at accsports.com today, we put up what a bracket would look like if the season ended today. And even as somebody who follows the league very closely, as we do, there were three items that surprised me. Starting with North Carolina, as of right now, having a double buy and Wake Forest not having a double buy. North Carolina is right now the number four team in the ACC. Wake Forest is fifth. One game back. Actually tied with Virginia in the standings, which is interesting. Wake Forest would have a tiebreaker against both of them, considering Wake went into Charlottesville, beat the Hoos, and Wake Forest beat North Carolina by 22 points. But not if North Carolina wins out the rest of the way. Now, that would require them to win at Duke, but anything's possible, I guess. That's why you play the games. That was surprising out of North Carolina having that double bye in Wake Forest, not as of right now. NC State, dead last in the standings. I didn't realize it was that bad. I haven't looked at the standings to see who was 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. But NC State, dead last in the ACC. Now, they can change that tonight. You got Boston College. I believe that game's at PNC Arena. 
you couldn't pay me to watch that game, considering everything we got on the slate tonight. But NC State dead last? I had a feeling this might be their worst team we've seen in about two decades when Manny Bates went out in the first minute, but last place in the ACC. Didn't think I'd see that. Then there's Syracuse. Right now, seventh in the ACC standings. Quietly. Watch out for Syracuse. They've been making a bit of a run. Too late for an at-large bid, but maybe a team that could make some noise in the ACC tournament, get to Saturday, maybe steal a bid. I don't know. Syracuse, they've won six of their last seven. They're ranked ahead of Virginia Tech and Florida State, even though Virginia Tech had that hot run before cooling with the home loss to North Carolina. Florida State's completely dismantled and fallen apart due to injury. So just a few things that are surprising at the season ended the day. Next week, the ACC Women's Tournament is going to be in Greensboro, and we are excited for that. You could make the argument that the Women's Tournament might be more excited than the Men's Tournament when you consider that the ACC men only have one team ranked in the top 25, Duke coming in in the top 10. The women, meanwhile, have two in the top five, Louisville and NC State, another in the top 15 in Notre Dame, Georgia Tech's ranked, Courtney Banghart's Tar Heels are ranked. I think Virginia Tech's ranked as well. They got six teams ranked in the top 25, and they're all going to do battle next week in Greensboro as NC State tries to win a third consecutive ACC women's basketball tournament, and it's going to be in Town, right here in the triad in Greensboro at the Coliseum. So we're excited about that, and we expect to be at some of those games. We encourage you to do the same. I think he is very insightful. He makes some really great points. He's the man. He's the man. <laughs> the Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. The sixth man of Tar Heel basketball, Dot, in studio with us. What's happening? Before we play grammar school, you and I are aligned tonight. Duke facing Virginia. Yeah. You're anti all things Duke. Of course. And I'm pro my soon-to-be wife being happy. Correct. She is a Virginia graduate, mm-hmm. so I've got a Virginia hat on. I've mm-hmm. got a Virginia shirt on. Might be overdoing it. You and I. We're aligned tonight. I don't know, Josh. There are a lot of people that really think that when you jump on a wagon, you just negate it, man. Like you're just such a ball of negativity that when you jump on a train, it tends to go off the rails. I remember having a good conversation via text with my good friend, our good friend, Doug Beamer. And Beamer was just so sad at one game because you picked us to win. And he was so distraught. And it might have been the Pitt game. Did you pick us to win against no, Pitt? No, I actually said that North Carolina was going to lose that game and got yelled at. No, because you were stupid. You may have jinxed us then. The moral of the story <laughs> That's is... the opposite of a jinx. The moral of the story is Carolina Nation as a whole, I think I can speak for us what I say. Yeah. We don't want you on our side. Ever. Ever, never. Never, wow. ever, never. Wow. This is unbelievable. Kind of like this guy yelled at me on Twitter. Well, I mean, that's what Twitter's for. You heard and him? I, yeah, that's you, you can kind of hear some people on Twitter. <laughs> and this guy early in the season like, why are you at Duke in Carolina when Wake's at home? Yeah. And then I go to Wake. Why are you at Wake? We lose when you're here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, what do you want from me? What exactly is it? And then my man's taking pictures of me eating chicken tenders. Yeah. Saying, Where's your mask? How would you eat chicken tenders? Yeah, it sucks to be you, Josh Graham. Uh, nah, it doesn't suck to be me. I got a name with, I got a show with my name on it. Talk I got B dot in studio, and it's time for grammar school. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse, my English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be thirty-five. Josh. Is going to attempt to learn B dots vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time for B dots grammar school. I've got a caucastic question for you, but before I give it to you, explain the rules to grammar school today. It's very simple, man. I've got three words or phrases here, and Josh Graham has to get two out of three correct to get a satisfactory passing grade. Just normal phrases? 
Um, yeah, just some normal phrases and, 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 and verbiage that's used in the urban vernacular. You know, that's the whole moral. I mean, that's the whole goal of grammar school to get you more equipped with the verbiage that is used in the urban vernacular. And if you want to be a lifeline, you're going to need it. 336-777-1600. Say it again, please. 336-777-1600. If you want to call in and be a lifeline for me, I'm probably going to need it. BDOT, mm-hmm. here's the question I have to get us kicked off here. Since you're going to give me things in the urban vernacular, here's something caucastic. Mm, caucastic. What does what's the damage mean? What's the damage? Yeah. It means how much does it cost? That's correct. I knew that'd be too easy. Damn right. It means what's the, how much does that cost? And you know what? I could have almost used what's the damage in the urban vernacular as well. I was well. about to say, what is the urban vernacular version of what's the damage? What's that hidden for? What's that hidden for? We've already had that one. Did you remember that, Josh? I definitely did. I did used you? it out in the field. <laughs> yes, you did. We got video of it where I asked yeah. this poor worker at Chick-fil-A, hey, well, how much you know, if I wanted to add a, a milkshake instead of a regular drink, what's that hitting for? Yeah. And they yeah. exactly exactly what we were talking about. So here we go. For grammar school, I've already got a satisfactory grade today. Yeah, you're three for three on these questions. I need to make them harder. Yeah, that's what she said. Your first word, Miley Cyrus. When you uh, hear a rapper refer to Miley Cyrus, what is he talking about, Josh? 336 777 1600. That might be the first time that you've actually <laughs> felt it. Okay. I felt so, the, 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 the energy. So, Miley Cyrus, is it a type of woman is it obviously it's not the person miley cyrus or is it a euphemism for something else yes it either is a type of person <laughs> or a euphemism it's a euphemism it's okay. the euphemism gotcha mm-hmm. so it's describing something it's describing what somebody is no no it's not it's not describe. it's a noun okay actually is that right, Robbie? Would you consider it a noun? I think he's on the phone with someone trying to be a lot. Oh, somebody's girl. trying to help you. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Darius. I'm going to use my lifeline here. Darius, mm. do you know what Miley Cyrus means? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. All right, what's it mean? Um, White girl, cocaine, drugs. White girl on drugs. Okay, cocaine no, specifically. White girl or drugs. Oh, white got cocaine. you, got you, got you. There we go. <laughs> Josh is nervous. AD, I just want to let you know you're probably not on the phone anymore, but the moment you said cocaine, <laughs> I got scared. Josh sat up in his seat. He got so nervous. <laughs> I got scared. <laughs> All right, so after hearing what he just told you, what is Miley Cyrus? If a rapper is referring to having that Miley Cyrus, cocaine. Is that your final answer? Yes. Robbie, are we going to let cocaine rot? Yeah, only because old dude gave him both of them. He was like, it could be a white girl or it could be powder. So, like, if he... I give it to him. It's his first one. All right, we'll give it to you. All right. When Thanks. the rappers are talking Thanks, about Miley Cyrus, they're talking about white girl, which is Molly, or they could be talking about cocaine. Sometimes they could even be talking about heroin. How many different ways can we come up with uh, euphemisms for cocaine? Oh, man, there are tons. You want to hear some more? I mean, that's kind of like the point of drug talk. It's like, so no one knows what you're talking about. Like, it's like the white mi- horse. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Gutter, gutter glitter. Gutter Sounds glitter. like you know an awful lot about it, Josh. <laughs> you know a lot about that book of sugar, Josh. Let's move on for you telling yourself. Moving forward. The preacher's wife. Shut up. Nobody's ever used that. God. Who, who has just pulled up on a corner before and been like, hey, man. You got any of that uh, preacher wife? <laughs> the Nobody. De- the devil's dandruff? <laughs> no. The devil's. Are you making these up? Are you freestyling these right now? Because the devil's dandruff was pretty darn good. All right, what's next? Up next is a bust down. Bust down. What is a bust down? Now, I'm going to give you a hint here. Bust down could go two different ways. So you could actually answer this two different ways and be correct. Okay. okay? That's not a hint. That's just, all right, we got two different ways we can answer it. Oh, well, I don't have a hint. But what I do have is to tell you that there are two different ways you can, you can answer. 
It's not like a drug bust, though. That's no. a totally different term. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not that. A bust down. Yes. She can be a bust down or a particular item can be bust down. Okay. I will say that some it's something that's that's no longer good. Like an item's no longer good. It's like soured, it's spoiled. It's it's busted down. It's busted down. It's soured. Yeah. So it's no you're longer about to good. Say I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, you're okay. yeah, you're wrong as hell. That was the worst answer ever. <laughs> I know your moves down. I don't even know how you got I know, to I know your moves. Where you just what? do this thing. Oh, yeah, like, like this, like that. Oh, you're absolutely wrong. Busted down. Like, <laughs> a bust down, Josh, if you're talking about a chick, if you hear a guy says, hey, she's a bust down, that means she's loose, Josh. It means she's, she fornicates with a plethora of individuals. A little she's promiscuous. A, a little promiscuous, oh, if you, you will. That's a good now, word. you can also bust down a piece of jewelry by oh, adding a bunch of diamonds. Yeah. If I bust down my Roly, yeah. I put a bunch of diamonds in it. I can bust down my charm, put a bunch of diamonds I'm in it. I'm learning things today. That's pretty good. Last and not, last but not least, Joshua Graham. Need this. Four letters, one word, jug. J U U G. Is it an acronym? No, no, it's not an acronym. That's an actual word. So it's not jug, it's jug. Jug. A jug is something you drink out of. It has one U. A jug is something you never want to happen. It has two U's. It's a noun? No, it's can't be a noun. It's, it's like a nounjative. It's like a nounjative. It's a, a verb. You, could, you would jug someone. Yeah. It's a nounjiverbative. Tiff. It's a noun verbative. It's a jugly. That's an <laughs> adverb. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely jug somebody for sure. I'm going to say. Gosh, out of lifelines. That's got to suck. But Darius did help you, though. He did. He did get you that one thanks, point. Thanks, Darius. Yeah. I'm going to say, like, to shake down somebody or to rob them is to jug somebody. Like to take from them. Yeah. Josh Graham, you're correct. Yeah! I didn't want to give it to him just because how he said it. I didn't either. And I don't like the way he's looking at his his laptop. I'm going to go to his Twitter feeds. And if there's one person in there that told him look, what a jug is, look, this game did not count. Look, we just had people saying I'm dropping some facts about UNC and Wake Forest and all this. <laughs> just dropping facts, you know, <laughs> yeah. as Josh does. Hey, Josh, I have to compliment you, good brother. That is what jugging is. Jugging is basically robbing somebody or stealing from them, scheming against them. Um, congratulations. Thank you. You got two out of three correct today with the help of our homie D, and you have got a satisfactory grade today in grammar school, good brother. High five. Now you have to use them in a sentence for a tease. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna jug B dot. Instead, I'm gonna do the opposite. Ooh. I've got a gift for B dot. That's that's what I've got. That's real. You know. Yeah. Respect to that. I like gifts. Yeah. yeah. And and it's not busted down. Okay. No bust down on it. No. No bust down. No bust down nope. on us. And it's not Miley Cyrus. There's no. You didn't bring any hand. Miley Cyrus to work today. Nope. None of that. Because you know a lot about the Miley Cyrus. Uh-huh. Now I do. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of knowledge about things I'm curious about, and he's cool. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Oh, we got exclusive Adam Gold content today. AG, not on the air earlier today, noon to three, getting set for some college baseball, NC State in action a day after handing it to High Point. He's getting ready to call a game at Doak Field. So before he gets off to calling baseball, how about we talk a little bit of baseball, AG? How chesty should state fans be about their baseball team right now? Is it too soon for that, considering how bad things look in men's basketball? <laughs> well, I think right now the uh, the Wolfpack baseball team might be able to outscore the Wolfpack basketball team. They're averaging almost 14 runs a game, but I mean, it has just been high point in Evansville. So we'll pump the brakes on it for right now. Yeah. Probably the wise thing to do on Twitter at a gold fan, <laughs> shoot them a follow noon to three right here on WSJS sports. You know, there are state fans out there. They're looking for something to brag about. And I don't know how many people 
are going to school when you have Duke and Carolina fans who have decent basketball things to talk about saying, we got a superior wrestling team and we have a top of the line Olympic sport team insert here. And we've got tremendous <laughs> women's basketball and baseball. Don't mean that to denigrate. I don't mean that. I don't mean that to denigrate what they're doing. I just don't know if that's what you're going to school with. Like if you're in a, a middle schooler or a high schooler and you've got your team and you're, you know, bragging at the water cooler about. I mean, at, at Clemson, they used to talk about track and field. Why not, man? Uh, ride what you can ride. I mean, do they talk uh, bass fishing? Come on. They should. Go uh, go bass pack. Hey, look, the uh, the the club hockey team. Saw them last I think week. is go- going for four straight or maybe won their fourth straight. Uh, ACC league. Come on. It's uh, you, you celebrate what you can celebrate. They did that in Winston-Salem on Sunday. And... The West Moores pack looking to win yeah. three straight ACC championships in Greensboro next week. We're excited about that. A year ago, it's crazy to think it's already been a year. It was a terrifying headline from California where we learned that Tiger Woods was in a car accident and we feared that he might lose his life. The yeah. next day we learned that was it wasn't going to be that severe, but the injuries were severe enough that his golf career would be put in jeopardy. How has your opinion evolved over the last 364 days about what may be possible for Tiger's final chapter of his golf career? I don't think my opinion has really changed. Um, I still think it's a long shot that he plays again. Um, He can't, I mean, he's never, he hasn't walked one round of golf at his home club. I mean, he hasn't walked 18 holes of golf. And when he plays a PGA Tour event, even if he's playing on a flat surface, which there aren't that many of them, you're going to have to walk not only four events, four rounds, but, you know, two practice round pro-ams. So, I mean, and Augusta is the hardest walk in golf. So I, he's, I don't think he's going to play the Masters this year. Uh, it's, I still, it's, it's, a, it's no better than 50-50 that he plays anywhere in the next six months. No better than 50-50. And I think, you know, if he can get back and walk, then I think the muscle memory will still allow him to play well occasionally. But I pretty much think his competitive career is likely over apart from, you know, an isolated week here and in, in, here and there. But maybe he can play some Masters down the road. Uh, the Open Championship will always be a place I think he can he can contend because length doesn't really matter, and those courses are pretty flat too. So, uh, but look, I th- I think we've we've seen we've had our Tiger Woods experience. We're going to have to live vicariously now through I don't know John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Joaquin Neiman. On Twitter at a gold fan, listen to the Adam Gold Show with Adam actually hosting it starting tomorrow. Noon yeah, to three. Back. You can listen to that. Last week, I thought I was coming in with some sort of hot hot take opinion that I didn't think you were going to agree with when we talked about officiating and how they should only be able to look at replay in real time, not be able to Zapruder like it or yeah. slow things down and look at it uh, frame by frame. So I'm going to try and top that and see if you agree with <laughs> anything that people have ejected to on social media and even calling it to this show in the last 24 hours. Coach K, as a Coach of the Year candidate in the ACC, I think he should win it. Also, NC State, North Carolina Saturday, I think a loss for the Tar Heels makes an NCAA tournament at-large bid unrealistic for them. Do you disagree with any of that? I mean, I don't think Coach K necessarily should win it. I think Steve Forbes has been the coach of the year. And if it's not Forbes, it's Jim Laranaga uh, or Laranaga, Laranaga, however. Um, so, but I think, I think you can make an argument for Coach K. What we generally do is we look at your talent and we assign what we believe should be your record to your talent. 
And uh, how is it possible that they've lost three conference games? He couldn't be doing such a good job. I'm like, that's just a knuckle-dragging way of looking at it. Uh, I don't think it's that much uh, easier to coach an uber-talented team than it is to coach a team that maybe knows its roles. And when you've got so many guys who we all know where they're going to be next year, they're all going to be playing in the league. So I, that's a hard thing to do. And I know, you know recruiting is also part of it, but I'm just talking about the coaching aspect to manage the egos and the fact that guys need the ball and all of that. That ain't, that ain't easy, man. It's a hard, and not to mention that the difference between where you played in high school and then going to play at the highest level of college, that's also a big jump. And there's an adjustment period. I think coaching matters. Uh, and I think Kay's done a great job. Again, I would vote for probably Steve Forbes right now as for, um, State and Carolina, North Carolina has beaten no teams in the field. Zero. Actually, I think they have a win over Furman, who may or may not be leading their conference right now. And Michigan's but on not, the bubble, let's, but they've let's lost not, their uh, Let's not get crazy about that. So they've beaten no teams in the field. So the one thing you can't do if you have no good wins is you can't have any bad losses. And they absorbed one to pit a second bad loss – yeah, I think that's a deal breaker. And I think they either have to beat Duke, and I'm not even sure that would work, uh, or they have to go to Brooklyn and, and win on Saturday night, which means you get the automatic bid. Yeah, I think it's a deal breaker for them, not to mention if they lose at NC State, the uh, the likelihood is not the, you know, they'll have a minimum of 11 losses if they don't win the ACC tournament. Uh, what, 22 and 11? Is that getting you a tournament bid, no matter what your non-conference strength of schedule is? I mean, you didn't win any of those games. So, uh, yeah, I think it's very unlikely, uh, and I would put the percentage at about 25%, maybe less, that they get an at-large bid if they don't win at NC State. AG, have a great call out at Doak Field, NC State in action, and we'll chat with you sometime soon, probably next week. Look forward to hearing you back on the show tomorrow. I'm sure the Wolfpack already have nine runs on the board. I love butt stuff. I hate spiders. I stole a pen from the bank. I cried during a powder boy. Moving on. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. That's Stan Cotton's music voice of the Deeks, and he's on location. We are about 100 minutes away from opening tap at Little John Coliseum, and the voice of the Deeks joining us now for a live report. Set the scene from Clemson, Stan. Well, it's, you know, we're in the the shadows of uh, Death Valley. One of my favorite trips, both in football and basketball, quite honestly. You know, they gave uh, Little John a facelift. Uh, just a few seasons back, and although we're up, we're way up in the back uh, tonight for uh, various reasons. It's still one of my favorite places to go. I love their band. I love their music, and I uh, got three or four of the Tigers out shooting a little bit over a massive center-hung uh, scoreboard video deal, and uh, you know we're about ready to go. Coach Forbes is going to be here in about 15, 20 minutes to sit and visit with us as we get set for another really, really important game for Wake because they kind of try to make a push, you know, toward the ACC tournament and getting there kind of uh, ahead, if you will, get their head at the tape uh, in front of a lot of other ones. So we'll, we'll see how it shakes out tonight, but, but I feel pretty good. Oh, you were talking about the scoreboard being big. I thought you were going to say that's way too big of a Tiger Paul at center court. That has to be the biggest midcourt logo in the league, either that or the FSU Seminole, right? Yeah, they're about the same size. Just probably, I don't know, 10, 12 feet from the top of the paw to the sideline and from the bottom to the sideline. So, And maybe one stride from the uh, top of the three-point arc. So it, it's a pretty massive tiger paw. There's, uh, there's no doubt where you are when you come to Little John, that's for sure. Is P.J. Hall going to go tonight? Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, we're, we're hearing he's probably going to go, going to try anyway. I mean, he's been bothered, you know, for, for several games. Uh, and it's just a matter of, you know, if he gets in there and kind of steps awkwardly, 
then he'll have to come out. I think he played maybe a minute uh, at Louisville the other night when when he got hurt and couldn't play the rest of the game. So I, they're they're I think we're all planning on him for at least some of the game. I don't I don't think we'll see him for you know thirty minutes anything like that. But uh, but you know and I I you know I I don't I don't wish anybody hurt. I, I hope all the kids that that are you know, healthy can go, and we'll see who's got the better team tonight. Stan Cotton, voice of the Deeks, joining us from Clemson, 7 o'clock tip. If you can't listen, you can watch on television on the ACC Network. Other than the Joel, you said this is one of your favorite stops. What is your favorite ACC venue to call a game other than Winston-Salem? Duke, not even close. And it's for a lot of different reasons. One, I just love the catwalk where you're, you know, you're hanging out over the court. It's up, yes, but... It's so far forward. It almost feels like you're on top of the on top of the action. There's nobody walking in front of you ever. Nobody bothers you up where we are, um, and it's just a good spot to call a game. And, and obviously, the uh, the atmosphere is, is always great with the student uh, you know involvement. And there's the whole aura of, of Coach Shevsky and all that that Duke basketball is. But just from a strict seeing the game, being able to you know, visualize it and then hopefully uh, voice the, the, the call. That's without question my favorite spot. I hope this isn't too inside baseball, but this is something I've been fascinated by as somebody who once upon a time traveled with the team and knows how important like the itinerary is and everything that goes on behind the scenes. Tonight, there's an, this has been the season of milestones for Wake, but another one is available to them. If they win tonight, they will finish 6-4, and four, in ACC road games this year, which will match the amount of road wins that Wake had the entire Danny Manning tenure. And the last time Wake Forest had a winning record in ACC games on the road, 2005. It's been 17 years since that happened. And this team obviously is older, has NCAA tournament experience. That helps when you're playing on the road, knowing what you're going to get. But behind the scenes, you've... You've dealt with a ton of different coaches. You've seen the cat skin multiple different ways. In what ways does Steve Forbes handle road trips differently than other coaches you've been around? Well, this is probably the most relaxed group on the road I, I've ever uh, been around, ever. And, and that's going all the way back to Dave Odom. And it was under Coach Odom, it, it was a relaxed kind of atmosphere. But there's something a little bit different, Josh, about this group. I mean – from the coaches to the managers to the players, administrators, everything is just so easy. Bus trips, plane rides, meals together at the hotel or out on the, out in a restaurant somewhere, uh, at the arenas, in the locker room, post-game, win or lose. Everything is just so easy and calm and relaxed. And I think Wake Forest really plays that way. I, I, I really do. I, I it doesn't mean that they play perfectly, but I think you'll more times than not, you won't see a Wake Forest team that gets rattled. And I mean, that doesn't, again, mean that, that it won't play without flaws. Every team has flaws, but there's just this sense of relaxed, uh, a relaxed feel about this team that, that I haven't seen in a long, long, long time. And they, they've got a short memory. I mean, they play like a, a college corner should. Just play in the moment. Forget what happened behind you and look ahead. And it's that sounds a little like coach speak, but I'm telling you, if there's a team that I've been around in the last, gosh, two decades, it's this one with regard to look. Let's let's just play and, and and see what happens tonight or today, and then we'll 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 try to improve on it next time. So I I just think you know Coach Forbes and his group, you know they coach them hard, uh, they practice hard. Man, do they love them hard. They really do. I, I really believe that these players love playing for Coach Forbes and this staff, and that's one reason why they played so well, both at home and on the road. We haven't gotten a chance to get real close to the guys on Zoom. You get to travel with them. What's the best Alondis Williams story off the court you could share with us? Oh, I don't know. I just He, he is such a cool customer. I, he really is. I was talking to, uh, you know, Everybody marveled at that. You remember that left-hand pass he had late in the game against yeah. North Carolina State into the corner that set up Hadam or other Hadim C for a three-point shot. And 
I remember, and I talked with Coach Forbes about this on his radio show, I was, they typically, like last night, the team, it's optional. They came here and just shot on their own. Whatever they wanted to do, they could do. And normally the staff, pretty much all of the staff, doesn't come with the team. They come on their own with a couple of, uh, a couple of, you know, Chris Forbes, I think, is one that comes. And there are a couple others, but that's all. Like Coach Forbes isn't here and, and the other assistants are here. And they just shot. Well, I was, I normally don't go to that, but I did in Tallahassee. And I was watching Alondis Williams from the top of the key and from half court shoot with his left hand. And he got it to the rim effortless, effortlessly. So when he made that pass at State, it was a great pass, but, you know, you weren't shocked if, if you'd seen him doing what he was doing in Tallahassee, using that, that left hand. But just as, as a teammate, I mean, man, he just – that kid doesn't care what his stats are. He, he really doesn't. He's always got a smile on his face, ear to ear, as happy for his teammates making a shot as he is for himself. And I think that's one reason why he not only leads the league in scoring but in assists. And if he finishes the year doing that, it'll be the first time in league history. That's why I think he's the player of the year in this league. Tell uh, Steve Forbes that uh, his favorite radio host says, shake and bake, go get him the night. And uh, <laughs> you have a great call, my friend. I'll do it. Thanks, Josh. We appreciate it. There you go. That's Stan Cotton, voice of the Dukes, kind enough to join us. Probably could have told him a better uh, Talladega Knights quote to pass along, but Clemson, underrated ACC venue, according to Stan Cotton. I need the advice of a professional. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I try really hard, Robert, not to let dumb, annoying comments on social media get to me. But I'm really fighting and wrestling this right now. So we had BDOT in studio earlier. And BDOT asked me a few weeks ago, hey, your dad's a police officer. He was a D.A.R.E. officer. Can you hook him up with some, can you hook me up with some D.A.R.E. t-shirts? I said, yeah, I could do that. So we gave him some D.A.R.E. t-shirts earlier. This guy, this guy Price, but I'm not specifically talking about Price. I'm talking about, air quote, this guy in general that always is mad about something, tweeting some iteration of this, texting, emailing, tweeting, whatever it might be, is something that never stops making me laugh, but also bothering me too, because I feel like something has to be said in response to it. So the response that we got to BDOT tweeting out that he's happy he got his dare t-shirts that he wanted that entire deal. This is something that's important to mention. Cop programs like dare started as a movement by racist cops. Good job promoting that Josh and BDOT. What are you supposed to do with that? Like, I'm talking in general. The people that are upset about things that can't possibly matter. Like, hey, you got some dare t-shirts. And you're going to say, "You're, I'm a good person because I'm pointing out that maybe the person that started something that certainly had good intentions might have been a bad person. You're a bad person for tweeting out a picture. You know this thing? This thing on social media that people do? Uh, we'll get to the Josh Grammys in a second. But, gosh... People on the internet constantly looking for reasons to make themselves look holier than thou by saying, I'm a good person because I'm pointing this thing out and finding reason to be mad about it. It's unbelievable. 336-777-1600 on Twitter at WSJS Sports. We've got... Later tonight, Duke basketball here on WSJS Sports. And we're excited about that game. Same time that Wake Forest is uh, is is tipping off against Clemson. We haven't even done uh, the Josh Grammy Awards yet, but already getting rave reviews as well. A Grammy Award. One award for each ACC team so everyone goes home. Okay, let's just get into the ACC 
awards that we have here that we call the Josh Grammy Awards around here. Robert, let's cue the music. Oh, the Josh Grammy Awards. Everybody in the ACC, so beautiful tonight. Oh, who's the person that generally hosts these types of pageants? Have you seen this? Like the Emmys? I don't know, like Kevin Hart or Steve Martin or like whoever a funny, poignant person is. I was thinking more like beauty pageants. I don't know why I made it award Steve shows. Steve Harvey hosts them now. Yeah. But the old days, they used to sing around them. That's what I was trying to do there. Let's get things started. Should I start, Robert, with the awards or with first team all ACC? I guess it could be like uh, how it's like, here are the people we lost. This could be like your, here are the people we lost moment. <laughs> okay. We'll just start by handing out awards real quick. Let's start, or no, we'll start with the first team all ACC since you put it that way. Um, Alondis Williams is on the first team all ACC. Duh. A month ago, I said there's a chance it could be an all-North Carolina first-team All-ACC. And I've had one change to those five. Alondis, obviously not one of those, right there in the Player of the Year mix. Darion Sebron is my next first-team All-ACC pick. Top five in scoring. Yes, yes. Deserves all the applause. Rebounding, even though he's on the last place team. That's got to count for something other than Alondis, probably the most consistently great player this year. Armando Baycott, the big man in the middle. He is first team all ACC. Certainly. <laughs> certainly deserving of the Josh Grammy Award. He's the best big man. I don't even think it's that close. There's a nice group of guys who could be included for second team or third team. Jaden Gardner, Sam Wardenberg, Mark Williams, maybe Nate Lachesky or Paul Atkinson from Notre Dame. So Baycott, he's first team. Paulo Boncaro, another sure thing first team All-ACC guy. Most talented player in the league. I think there are three locks for first team. Alondis. Baycott and Paulo Boncaro. I added Darion Sebron, which leaves the last pick. And this is the one change I had from a month ago. A month ago, I had Wendell Moore Jr. as my first all ACC, first team all ACC guy. I'm going to go ahead and put Jake LaRavia there. Jake LaRavia caps what is still an all North Carolina first team all ACC list. And the reason why I put him in over Wendell. He's outplayed window in ACC play. The numbers are kind of crazy with him, too. He's shooting 58% this year. Nobody in the top 25 on the scoring list in the conference has a higher shooting percentage than LaRavia does at 58%. He's also Wake Forest's best defender and, I think, an underrated draft prospect. That's your first team All-ACC in the Josh Grammys. Alondis Williams, Darion Sebron, Armando Baycott, Paulo Boncaro and Jake Laravia. Transitioning things to the awards now. We'll get to the one that we've already talked about. Coach of the year goes to Mike Krzyzewski. Everybody applaud. No, let's let don't boo him. He's he's retiring. Carolina fans, don't chant obscenities at him. What are you doing? I think there's a career achievement argument to this. He hasn't won it in 22 years, which is a joke. But also, I think the ACC Coach of the Year should be coaching in the NCAA tournament. And Duke's the only team right now with a week and a half left to go. I'd bet my life is going to be in the tournament. That isn't to say the other teams aren't going to be there. Obviously, there will be at least four or five. But... I don't know who can survive and feel comfortable losing their first game in Brooklyn. I know a team that can, though. It's Duke. Uh, they've been the best team all year. They haven't won the ACC regular season in a dozen years. I think Coach K is deserving. 
So he is my coach of the year pick. Player of the year. Gotta be Yolandis Williams from Wake. The only other guy I'd hear an argument for is Paulo Boncaro. Sorry, Armando Baycott. Stats. They point to Alondis. No player since they started tracking assists in the early 70s has finished the ACC season with points and assists leading in both categories. The value of him. Uh, Wake survived without Laravia a few games. They survived without Davian Williamson. When Alondis is off the floor, it's a completely different basketball team. And I think it's the best story, too. And we're always drawn to good stories. Alondis, my player of the year. Defensive player of the year. I'm going to trust BG on this. Reese Beekman from Virginia is my depoy. Saw it at Duke in person. Locked down AJ Griffin. Locked down whoever was in front of him. He is second in the ACC and steals behind only Charlie Moore from Miami. I think he's going to be the defensive player of the year. It shouldn't surprise you. It comes from a Virginia Cavalier. How about freshman of the year? This is probably the easiest award. It's Paolo. So Alondis wins player of the year. Paolo doesn't go home empty-handed. That's pretty easy to justify. I don't even know who the second best freshman is. It's probably A.J. Griffin on his own team, which leads to sixth man of the year. If it wasn't for A.J. stepping into the lineup starting in January, I think he'd probably be the front runner to win this award. Same thing goes for uh, Ryan Cormack, or Cormack Ryan, excuse me, from Notre Dame. He has too many starts now. He's been in the starting lineup for the last month. So they're both disqualified. So what do you do with this? Normally, you'd go to Florida State's roster and say, who the, who's their best player off the bench? Because he's probably playing a lot of minutes and is deserving. Cameron Fletcher might be that guy. But I'm going to give it to Hadim C. Hadim C from Wake Forest, sixth man of the year. This was my most difficult award to try and figure out. But Hadim C has been important. Efficient shooting threes. A key part of the rotation up front for Wake. A decent scoring average. I think C's a really important player for Wake, and I have him as my sixth man of the year. And lastly, most improved player. I think it's another easy award. Wendell Moore Jr. from Duke. Don't overthink this one. Wendell Moore was on a team that wasn't any good last year. He was an afterthought on that team that wasn't any good. I don't even think he was the third leading scorer on that team. And now he's one of the leading players, one of the best in the ACC, certainly all ACC. He's the most improved player in the conference. So there you have it. It is the Josh Grammy Awards. Alondis Williams Player of the Year, Coach K Coach of the Year, Reese Beekman Defensive Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year is Paulo, Sixth Man is Hadim C, Most Improved Players Wendell Moore Jr., and then the first team All ACC is Alondis, Sebron, Baycott, Bancaro, and Jake Laravia. Thank you. You love me. You really love me.